Welcome to The World in 10. It's your daily roundup of the biggest stories from across the world, written by our correspondents and contributors at The Times of London. I'm Jenny Barsby. And I'm Nick Ellaby. Coming up on today's edition, Russian death syndrome strikes again. And why Ukraine's battle for Bakhmut is the 21st century Stalingrad. We also hear from the first woman to row the Pacific solo. West has dubbed it Sudden Russian Death Syndrome, when notable Russian businessmen die in unexplained circumstances. And now, Nick, it's happened again. Igor Shukurko was a 49-year-old energy mogul based out in Siberia. One week ago, he was arrested on suspicion of taking a bribe to the tune of around £5,000 and detained at the request of investigating authorities. Now he's dead. The same authorities say he took his own life. Jenny, he's the 40th leading Russian figure to die under mysterious circumstances since Russia invaded Ukraine back in February last year. It's not that long, is it? Mm. Earlier, we spoke to Elide Naylor, who's written a piece on Igor Shkurko in the Times of London, and she told us more about him. He was one of the top top technical figures at Yakutsk Energo, which is an electrical company in Russia's Far East in Yakutia. And he was found dead on April the 4th, I believe, in his cell, but it was a pre-trial detention cell. He hadn't already been um, convicted of his crime, which was allegedly taking a bribe. I think there are some things that do stand out. The fact that he was put straight into pre-trial detention before he did go to trial. And the fact that he was detained on the premise of a very small bribe, for given his field, it was 500,000 rubles, uh, which translates around 5,000 pounds. It is notable that his bribe was so small um, in the context of the fact that he was working in the energy sector. But I mean, there's also the possibility that it was suicide. I mean, he did file an appeal the day before it happened, and it's possible that he knew he had no hope after that, given that given how Russia operates. It is very suspicious. Now, if this happened in the UK, there would, of course, be an investigation. But this is Russia we're talking about. I asked Alide if the same thing would happen in Russia. It's fairly likely that it's going to be swept aside. I mean, the investigative committee and the federal penitentiary service, they've been fairly quiet on the matter. And the, because he has died, then his case is basically going to be closed now because the only case in cases in which the case might remain open is in order to, in order to rehabilitate, I guess, the reputation of the individual who died while un, under these circumstances. So it's fairly safe to say that his reputation is not going to be rehabilitated. We're going to stay with Ukraine and Russia now and the battle for Bakhmut. It's been described as Ukraine's Stalingrad. Now, that was the deadliest Second World War battle, an epitome of urban warfare. It's on a smaller scale, but much like Stalingrad, Bakhmut, which is in the east of Ukraine and is key in this fight for the Donbass, which has been going on since 2014, and also it's an important transport hub as well, much like Mm. Stalingrad, thousands of people are dying on both sides. There are some reports the Times have heard that it's seven to one Russians to Ukrainians, but that's probably an overestimate. Times former Middle East correspondent Richard Spencer is in Ukraine for the Times and he told me how the battle of Bakhmut is being fought. The Russians have been using these extraordinary suicide wave tactics, using all these convicts that the uh, Wagner forces recruited from Russian prisons and just sending them over the top blindly. Again, rather like in Stalingrad, where the Russians 
use this what they call a two-line offensive where you have a line of attackers and then behind them you have another line of guys who shoot the first line if they try and retreat it's so uh, you know the 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 proportionate losses is probably higher than 3 to 1 but that still leaves you know rooms for you know thousands possibly 10,000 casualties on the Ukrainian side richard's got a piece up on the website now about this battle in bakhmut and how like stalingrad it's become so important symbolically to both Russia and Ukraine. The very uh, symbolic act of defending a city can become a purpose in itself. Both sides, you know, have made Bakhmut very important to their narrative of the war. The Russians have thrown all their efforts into capturing the city, uh, particularly since the, the, the two major setbacks they had last year in um in Kharkiv district and in uh, Kherson when they they suffered uh big defeats from Ukrainian counteroffensives the Ukrainians have decided to defend the city uh and 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 it's become so much the focus of the war as the other front lines are stalled and stuck that uh you know it's it's like Ukraine can't afford to give it up either to get more frontline reporting and expert analysis on the war in Ukraine why not take out a time subscription Actor Hugh Jackman, now he's most famous for his role as Wolverine. It's a character in the X-Men franchise, if you didn't know, Nick. Uh, he's been giving an update on his health after posting a video a couple of days ago that he was actually being tested for skin cancer. Uh, hey, guys. So, uh, I wanted you to hear it from me, just in case someone sees me on the street or whatever. Um, I've just had two biopsies done. I just went to my doctor, Dr. Iron, who's awesome, and she just saw the little things could be or could not be basal cell, in her opinion. She doesn't know. I'll find out in two or three days, and as soon as I know, I'll let you know. Good news is that his biopsies have come back negative, a great relief. Now, Hugh, who's 54, he's no stranger to these types of procedures. He's actually had six since 2013, and he blames the time that he spent outdoors 25 years ago. After thanking fans for all of the love, the actor posted a photo of himself and his French bulldog, Andy, great name for a dog, heading off for a training session ahead of turning back into Wolverine again for Deadpool 3. I've just popped down to floor 11, the hub of the Times newspaper. I've come to the foreign desk to speak to deputy editor Susie Jagger. Susie, what's coming up tomorrow? Bobby Kennedy's son, uh, who, would you believe it, is 69 years old. He's Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Um, has formally applied to run for the Democrat president, um, presidential race, um, which obviously is next year. Um, he is a former environmental lawyer, but um, is a very well-known anti-vaxxer. Um, and uh, he actually said during the pandemic that uh, Anne Frank uh, had it easier than people during lockdown. Um, so, but he is not expected to do particularly well, needless to say, in the uh, in the presidential run. Sometimes, Nick, I confess, I feel that I kind of coast along in life, living sort of a gentle existence, under the radar, as it were, safe in my own little world. And then comes along someone like Michelle Lee, a woman who pushes every single 
boundary. Let me tell you, she's 50 years old, just a year off of my own age, and she's just become the first woman to row solo, which means no assistance and no stoppages, across the Pacific. Her story is in today's Times. It makes compelling reading. Here, look, have a look at what she's had to encounter on her trip. Give give you an idea of what she's had to deal with. So she started out from Mexico last August. Mm -hmm. She travelled 8,700 miles. I can't even think how no. far that is it took her 237 days she encountered five hurricanes just the five four cyclones just the four and a shark <laughs> jumped into her boat uh one storm forced her to spend nine days in her cabin which is no bigger than your average kitchen table i don't think i could even cope with that because she did all this of course don't forget alone, all on her own. She talks about passing the time by playing her ukulele, listening to audiobooks, and on her last day at sea, as she headed into Cairns in Australia, she posted this video. Look at that beautiful sunset and the ranges. I'm just loving being home. Oh my God, I can't wait to see all my people, my friends and my family who are waiting for me. Um, and just look at Australia. How lucky are we people? Uh, it's like I have a whole new, newfound sense of love, appreciation and gratitude for uh, how great our country is. Man, you got to get out, you got to get on it, you got to get in it, you got to get less impressed and more involved. Now, as a woman, I find women like Michelle a complete inspiration. But I should point out, this is not her first rodeo, Nick. In 2018, she became the first woman to row solo across the Atlantic Ocean, a voyage that lasted a mere 68 days. She's probably got another adventure <laughs> in the pipeline. Uh, Jen, you're so inspired, tempted to learn how to row properly and hit the high seas. Mm, let me have a think about that. I am inspired. I'm really inspired, Nick. But I might just start with a tiny little boat ride up the River Thames. It's always good to pace yourself. We could watch you from, from the windows of the Times building. I am happy to wave at you as I sail past. And that's it for today's World in 10. We're back tomorrow. <laughs>